0: Baker Botts LLP provides podcasts for educational purposes only. They are not legal advice. This communication may constitute attorney advertising. Welcome to the Environmental Evolutions Podcast, where we explore the changing landscape of environmental law and policy. I'm your host, Megan Burge, coming to you this time from our offices in Houston, Texas. I'm joined today by my amazing partners, Jason Bennett and Tom Holmberg. Jason and Tom are in our global projects group and are on the front line of navigating with their clients commercial transactions that negotiate ownership of environmental attributes, which these days primarily is carbon. Jason, Tom, thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you, Megan. It's nice to be here.
0: My reason for visiting the great state of Texas also is the inspiration for today's podcast. Carbon markets, what are they and how do they work?
2: There are at least a couple of markets. If you're a company that's going to decarbonize something, you create a benefit. One way that you can make use of that benefit is you can say, we're going to create a carbon offset. To do that, you need to work with a registry. You need to follow the rules for measurement, verification, hoarding so that you can offer it out into the market and people will buy it and use it for their decarbonization to offset some of their carbon activities. Another way to do it is if you're a company and you want to decarbonize your own operations, you invest in projects to take away the carbon, to put it away, to reduce the load, you know what your carbon intensity was before, you know what your carbon intensity is afterwards, you've decarbonized a product. So you don't then go and list a carbon credit somewhere and sell it to somebody else. You've consumed that benefit.
0: Tom, I want to go over to you. How do people create value in doing this?
1: Carbon trading is nothing new. It's been around since the early 90s. If you talk to people who have been involved in this for a while, there are parties out there that have credits that were generated years ago that have not been traded or retired. They still exist. And similarly, if you're creating a credit or an attribute today, you want to make sure that, that will have value in 10 years. There are a lot of market participants that are entering into contracts and developing environmental attributes and trying to find a way to create value with their carbon reductions and other activities in the space. And those participants in the market want to know that what they're doing today will have value in the future. Market participants would be wise to pay attention to is that transparency and integrity are going to be key components of any development of an environmental attribute to make sure that you can say this represents a reduction in carbon or any other type of environmental benefit, and that you can stand by it and the data supports it.
2: What would sustain scrutiny? How do we put deals together that show real decarbonization and quantify it and classify it, and we have data to support it? How do we do that? That was really, I think, goes to a lot of what the participants are thinking about. And no one has the answer yet because the future is going to come. I think our clients really want to know that the transactions we're entering into today that are supposed to span the life of long-lived facilities. So it could be 20, 30, 40 years. Design a system so they get credit for having decarbonized so in the future What they were bargaining for when they spent money to decarbonize is not questioned. People say, yes, that's a good thing. We value it. However we're valuing carbon in the future, we assign that value to what you did.
0: That actually raises a really interesting point about how to future-proof some of these agreements that you all are negotiating today.
1: There's at least sort of three things wrapped up in what Jason said, right? One is you need to make sure that if you are creating these credits that they're not, you're not double counting. You're not both selling a low carbon sneaker and selling an attribute, both of which capture the same carbon reduction, right? The second is we're not just concerned about creating value. For anybody that's out in the market doing this, there's more than just monetary consideration. There is a huge component of reputational risk at stake here, right? You need to make sure that what you're doing is something that is going to stand up to scrutiny because I can tell you there is is, and is going to be continued and increasing scrutiny in this space. The third thing is, of course, you need to be clear about the transaction that you're entering into. The contract needs to be very clear about what is being sold, what has been created, and that there's really no double counting. Because that is the name of the game when dealing with these environmental attributes. They need to be transparent And they need to be very clear that you're not double selling. You're not selling a credit and a sneaker that has this low carbon attribute to the sneaker itself.
0: Before I let you go, do you have any final thoughts that you want to share with listeners?
2: To wrap up something that I think is worth repeating, integrity is the name of the game. If you want your carbon credits, your carbon reductions, your decarbonization plan to be trusted, Focus on the integrity of the system. How are you counting? What data are you using? Are you scrutinizing it enough? Do you feel comfortable that if you were called in and you laid all the facts on the table, people would say, yes, this is decarbonization. And we'll look at a future where things are going to change. But if you focus on integrity as a principle in everything you're doing and the keeping of good data, and the following of everything you're doing to make sure you're getting the results you set out to get, you're probably in a good place.
0: Thanks, Jason. When you think about this, it is like a really messy jigsaw puzzle, you know, one of the thousand piece ones. Well, on that note, thank you both for joining me today.
1: Thank you, Megan. Yeah, thank you very much.
0: All right. With that, I'm Megan Burge. Thank you for spending time with me. Thank you for listening to this BakerBots podcast. For more information on BakerBots practices, please visit us at BakerBots.com. For over 180 years, through 13 offices in nine countries, Baker Botts has the experience, knowledge, and people to solve our clients' most significant legal issues. This presentation is provided by Baker Botts LLP for educational and informational purposes only. It is not legal advice. Under the rules of certain jurisdictions, this communication may constitute attorney advertising.